Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Morgan McLaughlin for Female Startup Club. Hello everyone, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. Today we're learning from Morgan McLaughlin, a master distiller and co-founder of Amass. This is a super insightful episode for those of us venturing into the ALK and non-ALK space. We cover learnings around the legalities when it comes to spirits versus non-ALK spirits. (laughs) We talk through the key hires you need in this space and why you don't need an MBA to build a successful brand you should save your dollars and use it as startup capital instead. Headquartered in LA, Amass makes clean, premium botanics for modern life, from alcoholic and non-alc spirits to personal care products, including hand sanitizer, hand soap, lotions. Amass uses natural botanicals to transform social and self-care rituals. Their products are proudly stocked in all 27 global locations of Soho House, so do check them out if you're a member as well as in five Michelin star restaurants and four of the world's top 10 bars. And by the way, if you love the show and you like to consume things on email, we send out a weekly recap with a bunch of other cool stuff like jobs at female founded companies and small business spotlights. We like to think it's pretty cool. You should definitely check it out and sign up at femalestartupclub.com. But let's get into this episode. This is Morgan for Female Startup Club. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Morgan, hi, hello, and welcome to the Female Startup Club podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Doon. Very nice to meet you. I'm super excited today to speak with you, obviously, for selfish reasons, like I was telling you before of wanting to speak to people in the ALK space and the non-ALK space so I can understand what's working, what's not working, you know, what makes a brand successful, what the really tricky bits of being in this industry are. So I'm particularly very, very excited about this today. What do you like to tell people in your introduction and elevator pitch in who you are and what you do? About me personally or about my the brand? Both. Okay. So people, when they ask what I do, I, uh, <laughs> it's funny. I usually just say that I'm, I make drinks taste yummy. That's kind of <laughs> my job. Although in the case of a mess, we also, um, I also do product development on home fragrance and personal care products, but yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing to really encapsulate, but I'm a maker by trade. I'm a distiller by trade and I have a really fun job in that I get to formulate delicious beverages. Oh my God. Yum. I love that. You make yummy drinks. (laughs) (laughs) I know that you grew up with a love of nature and you grew up in a creative household. You grew up in Canada. And I know this is a big part of your story. So where do you kind of like to start your entrepreneurship journey? Well, it's, it's actually funny because I'll, um, my sort of caveat is I, I did grow up in this artistic family. I mean, that said in a funny way, you know, people in the arts are often self-employed. So um, like growing up, my parents were kind of always hustling. They might have, you know, be selling art or they might have a job for eight months. But that while we weren't necessarily, my family aren't necessarily business people in the traditional sense of the word. Um, I think that, and and even my, you know, my grandfather is a visual artist. So that made me comfortable with the risks involved in not taking a conventional career path, going to college, getting a job at the telephone company, you know, with, with good benefits or, you know, that kind of thing. Not that that happens so much anymore, but in hindsight, I think well, you know, I don't even I don't even know if I could tell you my family are good good business people. They're certainly independent and entrepreneurial in their spirit. So that was I think actually a good foundation for moving into entrepreneurship. That said, the way I grew up, there's kind of a narrative business people were these bad, greedy people and or squares who just crunched numbers. And so the thought of going into business was never even a consideration for me when I was younger. But, and, and then my movement into I, I, my previous career, I worked in the motion picture industry and then I sort of just transitioned into this particular career path. You know, it just started as a curiosity. I was curious about, well, I had this love of nature and then was sort of interested in, experimenting with how we could celebrate nature through beverages and taught myself how to distill. So this was really, my current career really started as a hobby. I had, it wasn't like I woke up when I was a little girl and I was like, I want to be a distiller when I grow up or, or make booze. 
it's always interesting hearing how people get into things. And this really kind of started almost more of a intellectual curiosity. And then I moved into developing this trade, this skill, or this craft, really, which is distilled spirits. Then I moved into other beverage categories. And then from there, kind of thinking, well, maybe I could do this as, as a business. And really having no concept whatsoever. You know, I didn't know what a cap table was. I didn't know what liquidation preference was. I didn't know what a financial model was. For that matter, I barely ever clicked around in Excel. So I was a little bit intimidated and, you know, sought the help of people who I thought were, at the time, I thought were maybe business experts because they had MBAs. <laughs> and the, the uh, this is actually a funny story. One of the people that I, I sort of engaged to help build my financial model early on, I trust, and this is a theme of, of my life, trusting professionals because they have professional degrees. Um, so they must know what they're doing, whether it's a lawyer or somebody with, with a different type of professional degree. Um, I kind of discovered pretty quickly within several months of working with this person that they were a little dyslexic with numbers. And this is the person who's building my financial model. So the funny thing was, and this is a business pre prior to a mass. The funny thing was it was sort of trial by, you know, baptism by fire, because I had to learn fight my modeling, which is a whole business plan can really exist in a financial model. I had to learn modeling because I had to audit every single cell and every single equation in our financial model, because this guy was so sloppy um, and that, but that made me learn. <laughs> and, and, and then what I also learned is actually, I actually absolutely love modeling, not fashion modeling, financial modeling. <laughs> well, I guess it's like a recipe, right? You're working on a recipe within a document and you're making it come to life. You're making it look good, <laughs> taste good. <laughs> absolutely. So, so it was sort of interesting. I think from there that, that force functioned me to, develop a lot of skills. And then of course, when you're fundraising, you know, you have to have answers to all of the diligence questions. So I kind of just did it. I didn't go to school for business management. I just kind of did it. And I also found, you know, I, I myself found early on several men mentors in the industry, in the, the beverage industry as a whole, who were very helpful. And, you know, I was like, well, should I go get an MBA? And they're like, oh my God, no, don't do it. Just like start this business and going to learn. So that's my very long-winded way of encouraging people who don't have a business background, but have an entrepreneurial idea to just go for it. You know, it is a lot of work to learn business principles, but I, I would really encourage people to do it. Absolutely. And I think it's so spot on. Sometimes you're thinking about, you know, everyone else has the answer when Really, you're the person that cares the most about your business. You just need to get in there, knuckle down and learn it yourself and you're going to do it the best ever. And yeah, I guess an MBA is like building a business, sorry, is like an MBA <laughs> times a million <laughs> in real life. It really is. And, and that's you actually bring up a good point, which is nobody, you when you're an entrepreneur, nobody's going to care as much about your business as you do what any consultant it doesn't matter how expensive they are any employee you are the one holding the bag in the end and no you just have to accept the fact that no one's going to care as much as you and this is also the, the other kind of sad part of it that you have to kind of understand is you know if you're in a founder role or a ceo no one's actually going to people aren't going to care about you um your employees i don't want i know this sounds kind of dark but like you know, the same way that you care about your employees and your people, you, you shouldn't really expect them to care about you so much. So it's a little, I'm really glad that you're doing this podcast because being an entrepreneur is, is kind of lonely a lot of the time. And, and it, it's a really, it can be a very difficult trying endeavor in every sense of the word. It's certainly the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's good for entrepreneurs to connect because you know they also know how difficult it is sometimes it can also it's also incredibly rewarding yeah there's like highs and lows in every day I totally agree 
Talk to me about Amass. How did it come about? How did you meet your co-founder, Mark? And what's the journey there? So I, I have a previous business that I founded, which is I, I founded a, a craft distillery located here in Los Angeles. Pretty soon with that business, I realized that our strong suit, and this is talking about pivoting, wasn't on the marketing, sales and marketing side of spirits. It was actually in the product development and production side of spirits. And th- that was for a number of reasons. But but frankly, sales and marketing isn't my area of expertise or my interest. I'm good at distilling and product development. And we just didn't really have the resources to launch our own brands successfully. So I pretty quickly, I pivoted into doing product development for other brands, which was really, honestly, just that, such a great pleasure because that's a really creative part of being of my profession. And then also I really enjoyed collaborating and in a way assisting um, my clients develop their brands. Some of them like Mark Lynn, who's my partner at Amass, are industry veterans and incredibly knowledgeable and, and incre- very, very talented entrepreneurs. I lead, learn something from him still every single day. And um, I, I deeply appreciate having the opportunity to, to collaborate with him. It's a real joy. So some are like Mark, who, um, you know, serial entrepreneurs have lots of lots of business savvy. And some people who this is their their first thing, kind of like when I started out. So Amass actually started as a client. And so uh, Mark came to me before Amass was anything really and and said, I have this idea for this business. And we want to want he, at that time, he wanted it to be sort of more of a traditional spirits portfolio. And he wanted to start with a gin and he wanted it to be a Los Angeles gin. And so from there, you know, I start, we kind of, you know, played around with the idea of what, what that would look like and, and the sort of the mood and the spirit of this gin and the inspiration behind it. And we developed our gin, which that particular product is, has 29 botanicals in it. And um, it's sort of inspired by both the landscape terroir and the cultural landscape as well of Los Angeles. Now, Amass as a botanics brand, not just an omni-channel beverage category, and in fact, omni-consumer packaged goods category company, was really an evolution. So we launched a few products, and this is, I, you know, this is a great testament to having the runway, being open to pivot, and being able to respond to consumer feedback and, and insight and data. You know, when you have a, a vision or a plan for your business, I think, you know, we say strong convictions loosely held, like, you know, we have a thesis about why this is going to be a success, but being open to the business looking completely different, I think was um, very empowering with the mass. And that's something that didn't really have in my old business, with my old partners. So started as a traditional spirits portfolio, but my passion and my area of expertise in spirits really is in botanical beverages and celebrating plants and the whole concept of biophilia. This connection connection to nature and reverence for nature is actually something, especially in modern, modern society, that we really need. We might just not have the words for. So we decided to just Instead of doing what all the other liquor brands are doing, we decided to just really focus on exploring and celebrating botanicals through our beverages um, and having that be sort of the the overarching thesis of what we did. Um, From there, we just started exploring what that would look like in different beverage categories or even new beverage categories. So things kind of evolved there. And then actually soon after that, we were like, well, botanicals, you know, really are a central part of, of fragrance. And also uh, personal care products. So why don't we just play around in, in that space too and, and see what happens? So I actually got to develop fragrances um, for our company too that are you know out of out of botanicals, and that was really fun. And you know there are a few. It was fun, but also it was really interesting because you're talking about you know ways to connect with consumers before you have you know a fifty million dollar marketing budget. We just really as an experiment, we produced these home fragrance and personal care products that embodied our brand 
But, you know, what we discovered was people were starting, even though we'd been in the liquor market and bars and restaurants and off-premise um, stores as well for a couple of years, we started to find that people were becoming learning about our brand and becoming intrigued by our brand by these personal care products. Um, so it was in a funny way, it was like another way for people to kind of learn about a mass and in sort of a, a realm that would not, that's just not a traditional marketing channel. And I imagine also a lot of like potential to reach your customers directly when they're not, you know, there are so many legalities around shipping alcoholic products to every different state in America and all the things surrounding that. It's a way to connect with people directly without having to go through those millions of hoops. Definitely. And yeah, you touched on, you know, the complexities of working in, in the liquor space. I know the laws are different in the UK, but it's still very regulated and also heavily taxed. It's very, you know, in the liquor industry, it's very difficult to a, like, I don't think there are any digitally native liquor brands. I mean, maybe house, but it's very hard to sort of develop and sell and market liquor brands on, on the internet. Um, it's just starting to happen. And there's a lot of evolution happened was sort of force functioned because of the pandemic. But yeah, the regulations around shipping alcohol are, are quite draconian. You know, you have to get pretty crafty. <laughs> I bet. I have had some people on the show before talk about, you know, the challenges that they face um, building spirits brands and, and alcoholic brands. I'd love to keep talking a little bit about your early marketing strategies when it came to, you know, finding retailers and building your kind of direct to consumer relationships with customers, even though you weren't able to ship directly to them and how you kind of what was it that you were doing to gain traction in the very beginning before you had big marketing budgets and before you had kind of the momentum? So, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this before, you know, and, and by the way, like, you know, we are primarily a beverage business. We have our, our personal care products, which, you know, are in really incredible, like, you know, five-star hotels and stuff like that. But, you know, that's really our, our, our that is our, our focus. You know, when we in in the beginning, because, you know, you can't really do direct to consumer and also you, you just we um, our strategy was to just focus our, our, our products are in liquor industry considered super premium. So they are absolutely in, in that top tier. Our strategy was a to hire absolutely killer VP of sales, Jennifer Marks. She that was she was sort of like a, a secret weapon. She came from Pernod and she really engineered um, how we would enter the market, whatever markets we would go, go into, um, the accounts that we would target. And really, we worked on just focusing on getting into a cup like the a California, specifically Los Angeles and New York and Miami markets in our first year. So we did not go spread ourselves out too thin. We didn't have the resource to do, do that. Those are the biggest liquor markets in the United States. Anyways, we did hire boots on the ground salespeople, which um, is something that not all a liquor, we, we did have the capital to do that, which is very important. It's also very capital intensive in terms of headcount, but we did hire very talented salespeople in each of those markets. And then really it was, you know, a guerrilla effort just going out and going out after those top 100 accounts in each city and um, trying to get you know, back bar placements and menu placements. Now, you know, traditionally when, at least in the very least with, with, you know, higher end products and liquor categories, most brands when they're starting out, generally speaking, are heavily weighted towards on-premise before they move, start selling in the off-premise. You kind of want your bartenders to be your brand ambassadors and you want them to be knowledgeable about the product and be able to share it with their with their consumers. So we did do that. That that's a little bit of a convention in the liquor industry. We did do that, and we're just starting to get into a little bit of chain retail through working with our distributor, our liquor distributor, right before the pandemic. And so the pandemic was very interesting for challenger brands who'd only been in the market for a couple of years because or little craft distilleries, et cetera, who didn't have good uh, retail distribution because in a lot of cases, like 80% of their of their sales happened at bars and restaurants that shut down. 
So that put back a lot of brands back, new brands back a little bit. In our case, we're lucky in that we had just started to get into chain retail and we went from being brand that was 80% on-premise bars and restaurants to a brand that was 65% off-premise retail. So we're very lucky that we're able to do that. But um, I will say that time was very difficult for new brands. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You mentioned that, you know, for you, in the early days, you were able to hire a VP of sales and you were also able to hire a team of salespeople on the ground and that that was capital intensive. Are you able to share kind of what kind of, you know, budget you need to have to be able to launch in that way or like what kind of runway do you need ahead of you to be able to do that right out of the gate? So yeah, this is this is a funny thing it, with, with with what we were doing in specifically in the in the liquor industry, and I, I would say any other consumer packaged good or business, you probably don't need this kind of headcount. Like the liquor industry is very archaic, and that you need those boots on the ground, people visiting accounts. But for us, you know, it was really like you know the seed the seed round was really, I think it was one to two million dollars. To be honest, that was before I joined the company. So I I can't give you an exact figure, but it was around that. So it it is pretty capital intensive. I would not, you know, I know I have obviously lots of friends in the liquor industry and friends with, you know, young brands. And what I've seen is you really do, you can, you can bootstrap and you can do it for less money starting out, but it's just much longer a bit much, much longer path to getting into market. And so, you know, we're lucky because Mark is a, you know, he is a brilliant business person and he, there were investors really know and trust and love him. Uh, so he was able to, you know, raise that, that seed capital really easily, but for, particularly for um, liquor brand or beverage brand, um, you know, I, I see brands trying to 
you know, do grassroots and you really do need a great salesperson, that's definitely an investment that's absolutely worth it. They're also really hard to find in the liquor industry. So yeah, so that that's definitely part of the equation, I would say. Mm, that's um, such a great insight and great to know your thoughts on that. There was something else I really wanted to ask you about and to talk about, which is that kind of difference of legalities around an ALK drink versus a non-ALK. Because what I'm wondering and what I've been, you know, looking into myself recently is what are the kind of laws that apply to a 0.0 or a 0.005 non-ALK BEV? Like, do you still need to jump through hoops or is it just the matter of it literally is like a soft drink and you can do all the things? Yeah, I don't know about 0.5. And of course, it depends on the country that you're in. But in the States here, you know, you fall, you shift from being in the in the alcohol category, which is governed by the Trade and Tax Bureau, which used to be the ATF. I always like to tell people I have to talk to the ATF all the time. But, um, and, you know, and, and there's both state and federal taxes on, uh, alcohol, on all alcoholic beverages, which depends on, you know, it's a different tax rate depending on what state you're in to, you, you know, you're really solidly in the food category, which is regulated by the FDA. So, um, while you're not dealing with the taxes, of, that are applied to alcohol, as well as the distri- three-tier distribution system. You know, working through a third-party liquor distributor, you can't. You're not really. You're not supposed to self-distribute alcohol in the United States with non-alcoholic. You don't. You don't have any of those things. So it's non-alcoholic. It's much more appropriate for direct-to-consumer channels because you can easily legally um, self-distribute. Mm-hmm. What are the kinds of hoops that you need to jump through with the FDA and when it comes to that side of things? Um, really, you know, you the FDA doesn't approve every label, for example, the way that they do in the liquor industry. But the FDA, you know, there are food safety regulations that you have to adhere to and labeling requirements that you have to adhere to. And, and, you know, you have to produce your product at a registered food production facility. So you have to work with co-packers that that's what they do. You can't just, you know, make a drink in, in your home and distribute it. <laughs> uh, you, unfortunately, I always want to do things myself, but yeah. So you have to work with, um, you know, a, a like a licensed food production facility, but that's not that difficult actually. Um, and you, you know, to be, unless you're a food scientist, you probably want to hire food safety consultants. <laughs> That's a good one. That's, a, that's an interesting <laughs> thing that I, I haven't considered a food and safety consultant before, but that is obviously going to be on my list of things to do now. <laughs> when it comes to, this leads me kind of nicely into, you know, your non-alc and your body care products. You're obviously able to build more of your direct-to-consumer D2C side of the business. When it comes to marketing, what are you doing with your D2C channel that's really working for you and helping grow and propel the brand forward? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and, and to be honest, you know, I'm really the maker of the products and, and more of the creative director. I'm, we have an incredible digital team at our company that we really only fully put together about a year ago. And so you know, there's definitely, you know, the traditional ad targeting. Um, we have a pretty good, you know, email list. But beyond that, I wish I could tell you what we do. That's really not my area of expertise. So I feel like a little bit of a jerk, like saying what we do. And I, I think honestly, you know, they've just been trying all sorts of different things to see to see what works. We're really still in the experimentation phase, but I, I wouldn't feel like it would I, I, I shouldn't say that I have really any any good knowledge of how we do that. I'm trying to understand myself. <laughs> I love that. Okay, well let's not let's not focus too much on that then. <laughs> what do you think is the best advice you could give to an entrepreneur like me who's entering the non-alc space or someone listening who's entering the alc or non-alc space, uh, the beverage industry, I guess, coming into 2022? What do we need to know? What you need to know is you need to be very patient. Building a 
beverage, a liquor brand takes a lot of time. You know, if you look at Tito's, Tito's was actually founded 20 years ago. And this is actually also important if you're fundraising and you are like to just to sort of to set expectations with investors. The idea that you're going to build a, you know, build a brand and it's going to scale and you're going to do $50 million in revenue in, in two years is just like, that's just not how it works in the liquor industry, even, and, and also non-alcoholic on, honestly, even though you're not subject to the same regulations and, and the three tier system, you know, non-alcoholic brands really, for the most part, still have to, you know, do the same sort of dog and pony show that liquor brands do in the market to a certain extent. So I I think it's important to just really know, like a knowing that it's going to take a while, like on average, it takes maybe like seven to 10 years to build a liquor brand, just also for yourself, because, you know, I remember when I didn't know that in the early years of, of my entrepreneurial you know, entrance into this, it was so frustrating, you know, even getting a distributor and stuff, it just, these things just took so long. And, you know, it caused me a lot of, a lot of anxiety and heartache, whereas I wish that if I just knew this is going to take a while, not just, I would have been much happier. Also, um, (laughs) you know, I wasn't, you know, I was doing, and just as an entrepreneur, I wasn't taking care of myself. I was working all the time and, you know, I didn't take a vacation for years. And I think entrepreneurs on being an entrepreneur is a very creative job. It doesn't matter what, what field you're in and you have to step away from your work and go back to it to recharge, to get perspective. Um, even if you're, that means you're just going to an art gallery for the afternoon. And I didn't, you know, I just didn't take any breaks for years. I got really burnt out and you know, in hindsight, if I took a week off here and there, it wouldn't have moved the needle at all. So I I recommend that people take a week off every quarter just to step away. When you come back, you have fresh eyes and and you're inspired. That's so true. And it's something that, I mean, I'm experiencing this already. I was like, yeah, we're going to develop this non-alc wine company. It's going to, you know, we're going to launch by Christmas, you know, a year later, nearly, I'm like, okay, well, it's three times slower, three times more expensive. It's taking a lot of time, but I also kind of appreciate that time because you learn a lot in the process and you have time to get other things in order, like your branding or your trademarking or, you know, early um, consumer feedback and research and all those other good things that you kind of do need to prioritize. So, Yeah, it's definitely one to keep in mind, even though it's so frustrating sometimes when things move slower than than you obviously want them to. Definitely. But yeah, I mean, I I can really relate. And, and, you know, self-compassion is really key too. you know, there's so much that especially when you're a first time entrepreneur, there's so many factors that are beyond your control. Fundraising working with consultant, you know, there's a, there's a lot that's beyond your control and you have to be able to be in a state of grace with that and and be able to, you know, do what you can with things that are in your control and then also be in the flow if things, circumstances that you can't control. I think that's a big one too. Mm -hmm. That's such a big one. At the end of every episode, I ask a series of six quick questions, some of which we might have covered, some of which we might not have, but I ask them all the same. So question number one is, what's your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? That's a great question. I think, well, you know, I'm, I'm really more creative director or, you know, the, the, the product person. So, you know, there's the why of a mass. There's my personal why. There's a real uh, you know, I have a real passion for what I do, and it really does come from this place of intellectual curiosity. But, you know, when it comes to beverage and, and you know, whether it's non-alcoholic or or alcoholic, you know, we're not saving lives. But I like I like to make things that delight people and enhance their everyday life. It's sort of a quotidian. I like the idea of creating things that that give people a little quotidian pleasure. 
specifically and and specifically with a mass our portfolio i'm sure you've noticed is we have non-alcoholic products we have low alcoholic products we actually and traditional spirits um we actually just launched a a, a cannabis beverage so we're really interested also and i'm personally also really interested in inclusivity creating products for people also all you know beautiful celebratory products for all all sorts of people whatever whether they're drinking not drinking whatever the reason is and you know for me for all of our products at a mass you know they're very sensual products like whether they're fragrance driven you know our lotions etc and then of course our, our beverages and it, for me they do fall into these two different categories which is social rituals i think rituals very important in modern society but we don't again like we don't quite have the language for understanding that we need ritual social red rituals people connecting and then personal rituals people connecting with themselves and connecting with nature that's something i think we all may yearn for and it's all part of our health but we don't quite maybe understand the the physics or the metaphysics of it mhm mhm yeah i love that what a nice answer Question number 2 is what do you think has been the number one marketing moment that made the business pop? You know, for us, I don't know if you call this marketing, but we did develop a strategic partnership with Soho House International and that was actually a great opportunity because it allowed us to, you know, to connect with their clientele and and then um and there's a really good like brand synergy there. You know, we did uh, we've been fortunate enough to get a lot of really good press, a lot of awards and accolades and critical acclaim. You know, we've been in the New York Times and Forbes and I was actually just on the phone with Monocle this morning. So that that kind of consistent press, I think people are kind of there's a lot of liquor brands, but there's something a little editorial about our company and so we've been lucky to get a lot of press there. Mm. You have a lot of great pieces online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's you have to keep keep with when it comes to marketing, you have to just keep keep going at it from all sorts of angles and and trying new things. I wish you know, there's this is why mar- you know, marketing companies are paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. Like nobody really knows what the secret magic sauce is there. There's a few thing, you know, uh conventions, but you just try stuff out. and so her house is a pretty good one. It's a pretty great partnership. <laughs> Question number 3 is where do you hang out to get smarter? What are you reading or listening to or subscribing to at the moment? I am a little bit of a luddite. I'm the type of person that I think would love podcasts, but just in my life I haven't really had the opportunity or the time to listen to a lot of them with the type of work I do and I also recently had a baby like 18 months ago so in normal circumstances I'm a bookworm. I do a lot of research online but I I love reading books. I love reading physical books and I I I mostly sort of look for book rec- recommendations from people that I know and trust and respect. And that's really that's still my go-to. you know my mother worked in the in the publishing industry i come from a actually my family's been in publishing since the 18th century big reader oh my god wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> just um, drop that in there casually yeah. at the end <laughs> yeah but so i've always been a big reader and i like reading biographies of artists you know it i like reading technical things but i also really you know i read a, i do read a lot of i think good thought pieces online but i think it's really important to read non-fiction i think non there's something that happens to your brain when you read non-fiction that it just it kind of rewires your brain and in a funny way i think it teaches you to think differently and so i think it's like brain you know good brain exercise to read non-fiction so you're not necessarily picking up data but i think that's a very good thing and of course it's fun do you have a recommendation for us top recommendation or a recent fave <laughs> this isn't a, if you're depressed don't read this but um i'm a big fan of michel welbeck i think he's quite the french writer i think he's quite fascinating um he's a little galvanizing but i recently read the map and the territory and the thing 
that's interesting to me about his writing and his, you can tell that his worldview has actually evolved as as he's, you know, gotten older and put out more books is he kind of looks at, at Western culture and he'll, he looks at, you know, often really the grotesque parts of capitalism and Western culture. And he, he dials them up to 11 and puts them in some sort of like hypothetical future setting. So it's not like some, it's not like the Hunger Games or some horrible thing like that, but he really explores the human condition on the, you know, in the, in the milieu of, you know, sort of hyper-capitalism, which I would say we're already in that situation. And I really appreciate that because I can relate to it. I'm definitely going to link that in the show notes for (laughs) anyone who wants to check it out and who is not depressed at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Lol. Question number four is how do you win the day? What is your AM or PM ritual or habit that keeps you feeling happy and motivated? Um, I'm a big fan of baths. I'm a big bather. I'm also an introvert. So I don't, you know, the pandemic didn't really bother me. I, I like alone in my tower in the sky, but um, no, I'm a big fan of bathing. I realized I was an introvert during the pandemic. <laughs> I didn't know before. <laughs> well, it's good. It's good to find out, right? Because then you can find out how you recharge your batteries. And, you know, honestly, just reading. That's, that's a big thing. I I love a good reading session myself. Question number five is if you were given a thousand dollars of no strings attached grant money, where would you spend it in the biz? What's the most important spend of a dollar in your opinion? Really, really working capital or product is, you know, essential if you don't have product to sell, you're not really in business. So, and, and, um, you know, especially with the pandemic, you know, just in time manufacturing is a bit of a thing of the past at the moment, but, um, you know, I probably put a little bit of it into actually producing the product, but a big part of it into our people. And at this phase in the business, in our business, you know, we're, we're a couple years in, but we're really still a nascent brand. Having really a talented team is an important foundation for, you know, aggressive growth. You have to have that infrastructure before you grow. So that's where I, what I would do at this point. Love it. Nice. And last question, question number six is how do you deal with failure? What is your mindset and approach when things don't go to plan? That's, that's, that's also a great, great question. I love these questions and they're so, they're really intelligent. You know, I think any, any entrepreneur who's, who's been at it for a while has had tons and tons and tons of failures. And I'll say early on, you know, the, the, and the stakes are often really, really high, but early on, I used to get really, really affected and have a lot of anxiety. And, and now things just don't really like, as long as I can learn from the failure, things don't really like things don't really bother me anymore. You know, failure, it's a cliche, but failure is part of the process. And as long as you don't make it mean anything about you and you, you have takeaways from it, of course we try to do our best to avoid failing, but you know, being an entrepreneur is risky. And, and I would say if you're not failing, you're probably doing something wrong. So it's just important. It's important to just learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Morgan, this was so awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to share about Amass and your journey and some stuff in the non-ALK space. I'm so grateful to have had some of your time to learn from you. Thank you so much. Well, great to meet you. This was a real pleasure. Thank you, Dean. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash hype club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate ask me anythings, expert workshops, 
and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mm-hmm.